Greetings, guys, and I hope all is well with you. Come on in, come on in, and welcome to Evolution Now. I am your host, T.S. Bradshaw, astro-numerologist, motivational speaker, metaphysical counselor, psychic healer, and author, with your co-host, Saya. On today's episode of Evolution Now podcast, we'll be talking to comedian Lady J about comedy and things during this fiery Leo season. So pull up a chair and let's hear what this feisty Pisces has to share. Lady J is a California native now living in Utah. She is a single mother of five who previously worked as a preschool teacher for five years and is now a stand-up comedian. She has a huge love for people and enjoys helping women discover their worth as well as learn to walk in their truth. Recently, she became an advocate for domestic violence awareness and have conducted comedy fundraiser events, raising awareness around the topic. Her desire is to be as transparent as she can in hopes of being an example of faith and truth for anyone witnessing her journey to pure happiness. She is here to give hope to the hopeless. Comedian Lady J, welcome to the Evolution Now podcast and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Like I am so honored um, to be featured today. So happy to share my story. So thank you so much. Oh, it's wonderful. It's our pleasure to have you. So, you know, when I first met you through, you know, a mutual friend and I read your energies, I said, she's a feisty one. (laughs) Yes, honey. I said, she's a feisty Pisces. Yes, so fun. that's funny you say feisty because I I always use the word spices, spicy Pisces. When people ask, "What's your sign?" and say, "I'm a Pisces," but I make sure to follow it. But I'm a spicy Pisces. You must know. So whatever your translation of that is, <laughs> I'm willing to let you run with it. <laughs> she said, "Go ahead with it, honey." Go ahead with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, but I also felt at the time of meeting you that. What you have been called here to do, right, Um, Uh which is to make people laugh through comedy or to provide laughter unto others is so important right now. So, you know, yeah. So when I knew I was going to launch this podcast um, and I knew that Leo season was going to be coming around, I Mm -hmm. said, you know, the first person that came to my mind for this season of creative self-expression and entertainment, right, and pleasurable pursuits was Lady J. I said, we need to laugh, all right? Right, we need to laugh. Hallelujah, we need it. It's it's such a medicine across the board. Like, ah, we need to laugh. Um, It's medicine for the soul. I'm sure a lot of people have have heard that, but it it truly is. So I'm glad to be the pusher of it. You hear me? Come get it for me. If I if I am your your vice and laughter is what you need, um, I am honored to be the one that dishes it to you. Okay. <laughs> I know that is right, and so 
since we are talking about Leo season and we're talking about pleasurable pursuits, um, are you engaging in pleasurable pursuits in Utah? And if so, what are some pleasurable pursuits that we can engage in in Utah that we probably can't anywhere else? Right. First of all, Utah has such a beautiful landscape, like just viewing it because we're we're actually in a bowl of mountains. So wherever you look, there's mountains. Like there's been so many times I've taken a picture because I know to someone else it may look photoshopped, but this is literally what I'm looking at while standing at the gas at the gas pump. While these gas prices are irking my nerves, at least I can look up and see these beautiful mountains, these mountains and my scenery is just gorgeous. Um I'm still fairly what you may call new to Utah because I'm only five, six years in. And so I'm just now as a single mom, kind of really gaining my footing here. So I haven't been able to indulge in the luxuries of Utah. There's a lot of outdoor activities. Me and my kids have done the hiking. Um, but when you get into like the, the hidden gems of Utah, like the secret luxury resorts and the uniqueness of it and the Salt Lake flats and, you know, just the different, um, just the different hikes. Like, there's levels to it. When I say levels, there's levels. My friends go to Moab. They're doing all these things. Um, and just where I'm at in life, I haven't been able to indulge in it yet. But just being connected to the people who are doing all those different exotic outdoor activities and and getting a, being able to experience that side of Utah, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like I'm living it through them. And so I know when when it's my turn, I know where to go. I'm tapped in. I just haven't physically done the things. But if you're an outdoors person um, and you love nature and the beauty of it, Utah definitely gives you the landscape for that. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That sounds beautiful. So yeah, I just you know, when I when I'm thirsty for it and I'm at home, you know, breastfeeding my baby, all I gotta do is jump on Instagram and click through some stories, honey. And my friends who hike, I'm like, Oh, you got up at five AM and did that hike and it was gorgeous. Thank you for the view. <laughs> I, Instagram. I ain't there, I ain't up there out in it, but at least I get to, to live through y'all. So thank you. I'm I'm blessed to have friends who are doing the things. I know that's right. <laughs> so speaking of Utah, how how does an African-American woman from California end up in Utah um, and with four children? Because I know that you had baby Elijah while living in Utah, correct? Yes, I had baby number five living in Utah. He's he's a Utahan. That's how they say it. <laughs> he is officially a Utah. I have a U- Utahan. Um, so I was living in Georgia. I had lived in Georgia maybe a year after moving from California. I'm from California, lived there all my life. Moved to Georgia because I just wanted a different sense of culture, mm-hmm. right? Like something that it, everywhere you looked, there were black people, you know? So I was like, well, I'm going to move to Georgia and get more cultured. And showed up in Utah and said, well, it's a little too much culture. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's too many black people. You know, you just, they just make you nervous after a while. Like just the life I had, the guy I dated, we were in the party scene. Um, he was a DJ. Um, he was a, a, in the medical field. So going to company parties and he was a DJ on his downtime. So showing up for those things, life just was different, you know? So being in that atmosphere of just the party scene and black people, it just, 
it became a distraction. And I was a teacher still in Georgia, but just um, showing up as a socialite, it just became life became imbalanced. And so I was like, where, where do I go to next? I kind of, I kind of went off this, this roller coaster. So my mom said, go to Utah. There's a lot of great resources for single women. Um, Go to Utah, your sister's there. And so I headed to Utah. I got in my Honda, um, 80 borrow bucks, okay? And call me crazy, but I, I, I'm a Pisces, I'm a visionary, and it doesn't take take much for me to really go for what I want and take those risks. So when my mom said it, honey, it was like I was seven years old again, her telling me to clean my room. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so she said, you you get to Utah. And, she, and even her, if you ask her to this day, she's like, um, Jamie, I didn't know you were going to do it so fast, though. Like, I said it to you, and next thing you know, you were there. Yeah, mom, well, you should have well, right. said to go, so I'm there. You right. know, like, when God say go, you go. I so know, I that's right. So I put in my two-week notice mm-hmm. at work. I'm a preschool teacher in Georgia. I put in my two-week notice, and I was Utah-bound. I was homebound on a one-way, and we drove here, and Utah has been home. I knew there was something that said Utah is where I was supposed to be in that time because everything is about timing, right? And so I was like, hey, where where God sends you, he'll provide. And so me getting to Utah in itself is a whole journey. But along the way, he provided a way. And so it, it further conform, confirmed that I was meant to be here in this time. Yes. So that's how this black single mom of four now five ended up in utah ended up in utah honey right people are like oh my gosh jay there's no black people there i say girl that's why i'm going there (laughs) you know where this came from (laughs) (laughs) i need a break (laughs) i know that's right so So, but they are here they are here and it's 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 a growing community you know Good. She said, look, let me let you guys know there are black people in Utah. They're, Let's discuss they are here. Say that. <laughs> I know that is right. So what brought you to comedy from a preschool teacher to a comedian? So um, I've pretty much been in the field of childcare all my life. Mm-hmm. And then I transitioned from just being a childcare provider to actually being a preschool teacher. Right. And so I did that for a couple of years and teaching in California, teaching in Georgia and teaching in Utah are three totally different experiences. Um, And so teaching in Utah, it gave me a a different level of experience. Um, And being a black teacher in Utah, it was it was challenging. Not only did I gain a lot more knowledge, but it also became more challenging. Um, and navigating how to be my authentic self, even while teaching, you know, cause I, I'm not, I'm not big on textbook teaching mm-hmm. as far as what people learn when they get a degree in ECE. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately I never was able to get to that point of gaining my ECE that major, but just my life experience being a teacher, I've been given the positions I've been given blessed okay blessed is an understatement they're like wait you've been doing this for how many years oh we want you time what it's like to have you know the ability to mold a young life and so i was honored just in that and teaching in utah that people were giving me the opportunities to really express myself through being an educator and so 
I needed a break from the classroom. When COVID hit, um, I lost my job teaching. And we were given the option to do a Google classroom, meaning teaching from home. And me having children who were three and four, it just didn't resonate the same as being in the classroom. And so, yes, sir, um, I decided to opt out of having a Google Classroom and just decided to be at home with my children who were also who were also remote learning at the time. That was difficult, teaching from home and being a teacher to my own children. It just became overwhelming. And so I just quit altogether. Yeah. Not in being a teacher, you know, in general, but just the job in itself. I was like, this is just something I can't do right now. Mm-hmm. Why well, ch- that I choose not to? Let me not use the word can't. That I choose not to. Yeah. You know, making sure my children stayed on top of their education mm-hmm. while learning from home was a challenge in itself. And so I decided to lighten the load and just say, you know, I have to let that job go for now. And in the meantime, in between time, um, meeting different people. I just kept hearing people ask me because I'm a great storyteller. I just always have been. And so meeting new people, being a people person that I am, I would meet people and I would always hear, do you do comedy? Like just listening to what I'm telling them, something that had happened like a week ago or maybe last Tuesday. It's so funny and comical that people thought I did com- that I did stand up. Right. Are you a stand up comedian? Are you a stand up comedian? I'm like, no. <laughs> Do you do comedy? Do you do stand-up? No. Are you a comedian? I'm like, no. Like, fortunately, my life is funny to you. Right. Like, what is it about, you know, that makes something that happened last week? (laughs) And so after hearing it so many times, I was like, you know what? At this point, why not? She's like, look, I'm a comedian. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) hey, if you get up every day and you're drawing and you are into illustrations or whatever the case may be, you don't have to wait for someone to deem you an artist. You're an artist. If every day you produce art, you are an artist. So I was like, you know what? I've I've been hearing it enough. I am a comedian. I just got to get on stage. Obviously, I'm funny enough. And I keep hearing people ask me, so let me try it. So I started doing open mics, you know, just kind of um, testing out, you know, different jokes and different material that I I took from my real life experience and actually writing it in a way that made sense and had punchlines and kept people engaged. And and it's it's been awesome that out the gate I've been a, a hit. Like, I can honestly say I've, I haven't bombed and that's, that's rough because I see people bomb all the time. <laughs> right. Like, Did you lose a dare? Is this why you're, you become a comedian? Cause I'm not seeing you be funny once. You know what? So she I said, did you lose a dare? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, this, this feels good. And what, what felt, what felt the best at doing it. Um, in the process of learning comedy mm-hmm. um, and doing stand-up, like actually being on a stage and, and presenting your material was the fact that people needed laughter. Yeah. It, no matter who was in the audience, no matter what venue I was at, it felt good to bring laughter. It, it felt good to see people smile and kind of have that sense of release. You know when people are coming to comedy shows, they're there to laugh. Yeah. You don't have to guess why someone's here. Mm-hmm. you know it's a comedy club they showed up um they're with their significant other they're here to have a good time they're here 
to laugh. So being able to produce that medicine, oh, that was my adrenaline, baby. When that crowd got to laughing and I had to teach myself, yes, they're laughing. And it was my adrenaline. It's what injected me and made me want to give more material. But I had to learn how to slow down and really help, like, allow them to digest it because it's a lot because it's my life and my life has been a lot. And so what I kept hearing is, you would tell a joke and it's so funny, but by the time I caught on and could laugh, you you had already said three more funny things. So I said, okay, Lord, slow me down. Right, <laughs> right. That, just the laughter alone, it's, it, it just, it does something to you and you want to give them more. Oh, that's so, awesome. That's like the yeah. energy. That's like, well, well, that's like the life of, of most entertainers, especially those who are on stage, right? You're receiving the right. energy from the audience. Right. And, it, you know, you're giving it back to them. You're giving it to them and they're giving it back to you. And you're like, oh, right. this energy feels good. Let me give some more, en- <laughs> some more energy. So how long have you been in the field of comedy or doing stand-up comedy? Um, I consider myself, I've been doing comedy all my life, if mm-hmm. I want to be technical. <laughs> because now looking back, old, like, Thank God for Facebook, because people from California, even though we don't live in California together, they're able to see what you're doing and tap in and kind of motivate you to keep going, right? Because my childhood friends have chimed in and they're like, but you've always been the funny friend. Wow. Friend, you were always the funny girl. Right. And to me, I'm like, no, no, no. I was the shy girl. I never see myself as the comedian of the group. But I guess just me being me and my quirky self, to them, it was like, you were the funny girl. And I'm like, but I was the shy girl. But I guess when I did have something to say, I guess it was funny. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can, I can think of. But technically being on stage, I'm just barely a year. I'm just shy of a year. I transitioned from being a teacher to comedy within the last year. Okay. Yes. But you, what I hear you say is like, you are on the inside looking out while everybody else is on the outside looking in. Like, yeah, you've always been funny. Right. Right. I've always, always been the the goofy friend, the silly friend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Now, as far as, you know, um, comedy and material and things of that nature do you have a creative process when you are creating your material and if so what does that look like for you yeah I do have a creative process and I've actually been been really narrowing down like what that looks like so that I can so that I can successfully implement it. Like sometimes your process comes so organically that you don't know that that's what's happening. Right. Like you may get into this routine and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I think this may be my creative process because it's what I do when I need to create. Because sometimes I hit a block or, you know, writers, authors hit that writer's block. So it's like, what, what keeps you motivated or what inspires you to be productive and, and produce content? Um, and so for me, it definitely starts with my self-care, my mental health, because I am a procrastinator. Well, let me not say, let me not claim that because I, I deal with procrastination. Um, I find that it's not from a lack of, of 
wanting to be productive or like being lazy, but where am I mentally? Like my mental space, my emotional space, it, it has to be intact. Right. So that alone encourages me to practice more self-care so that I can produce more emotional stability. Do, do you get what I'm, what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's the simple things. Like for me, um, my nervous habit growing up was biting my nails. Like, girl, my nails would be, you'd be like, oh, honey, come, just come get a hug. Because like, <laughs> to that nail, to your nail bed. And then you're going through it. And a, and a nail piece in sight. So oh, I had right. to, I had I, I struggled with that for a lot of years. It even trickled into my my daughter who's 19 now. I seen when she grew up, she did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's a big deal to keep my nails manicured, um, a pedicure. So those things I keep in my budget because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to be able to look at my nails and be like, you know what, they're manicured. It's the color I want. They look good, and that trickles into like. Okay, now I feel good. I'm in a good mental space. Um, I've took care of, of a major thing for me to feel good about myself. And now um, I can move forward. Because it'd be the littlest things, right, that trigger us into negative thinking. It'd be the littlest. I ain't got money to get my nails done. And I can't do this video because my nails ain't right. And now it's just your mental. There's so many aspects in your life that play on your mental ability to thrive. Because right. everything starts with, with the brain and your thoughts. Once you can change your thinking, you can pretty much change your life. And it's real. Right. Um, so t- my creative process is starting with making sure my self-care is intact. What have you done for yourself? What I have you that. done to make sure you're rewarding yourself for your, your hard work? Um, even if it's just parenting and keeping your household afloat, are you rewarding yourself? So if my manicure and pedicure is intact, honey, I'm ready to put the pencil to the paper and um, I can get in my mode of, of, of writing. Um, so it could just be taking something that happened today like I play a high and low game and so whatever the high is of my day even if it's a low and I can turn it around and make it a lesson um, I take the high of my day or the low whatever's most profound in my day and I find a way to write about that thing and then I find a way to make it comical and that's where the that's where the magic happens where I could take something that happened in real life time and I can make it funny but it's also a lesson learned that can be passed on to somebody else. And that's how eventful my life is. I don't know if God made it that way. If he said, well, daughter, I'm going to give you some stuff to where I'm going to give you just material every day. And if you're smart enough and you stay tuned in, you're going to get that magic piece. So where somebody else may have to think of bits to write, Uh um, my life has just provided all the material I need. Whether I go back to when I'm nine, sitting at my, you know, Abuelita's house, because we did grow up um, Hispanic and, and African-American, you know, if I'm, I've got a memory from Christmas time with my Hispanic side of the family and the past and races my experience, if I tap into that opposed to, you know, current day, he's given me all the material I need to turn into comedic value. And I love that part about me doing comedy is I don't have to dig, you know, I don't have to give it too much thought. I just have to tap in to, to who I am and the material is there. <laughs> I can, I can literally 
do a, a hour special like just off the rip off my brain like just off of nothing <laughs> like someone just give me a mic <laughs> give me a mic like, give me a microphone on the stage she said and i'll just and tell you about my life my life is the material honey literally it literally is my life so it's it's been a blessing so far because i've been a hit coming out the gate you know and not having to exhaust myself with that rigorous open mic after open mic after open mic after right. open mic I got in the game, did a couple open mics, and after that, literally a couple, and after that, I was booked for shows throughout my whole pregnancy, throughout my whole year of doing comedy. It's been flyer after flyer because I'm getting booked and not having to search for opportunities, but just the opportunities presenting themselves, so... Well, that's interesting. I love what you're saying. It, it it feels very much like, you know, your life inspires you. Like that's an inspiration for you to do what you do as far as comedy and make people laugh as, as well as I'm sure other things that inspire you. But from what I'm hearing you say, life, your life, living your life and being yeah. your authentic self is an inspiration. Is there anything in your life that's off limits since you said is there anything what anything in your life that's off limits to comedy that you would not put on Um, you know what on the stage i am so like i'm so transparent to the point of i think it's my personal therapy at this point (laughs) she said well i don't need no therapist let me just get a give me a mic and a stage somebody seriously i think god has presented comedy to me at this point in my life for a reason because i've talked about everything and then when I look back at the things that I've exposed about my life I'm like well hey if someone tried to come for me there's nothing they can come for me about that I haven't put out there first mm. like, I got to it I yes. think maybe that's the reason you're trying to come for me because I've already spoke about it right. there's been many times I've gotten off stage I've gotten off stage and someone has said excuse me Lady J is, would you just talk to her is that real Yes, it's real. It's all real. <laughs> she said, yes, like, ma'am. I've talked, to, yeah, I've talked about being a black teacher in Utah. I've talked about when outside opened up and being outside, outside, and doing things that God knew I was not supposed to be doing. I've talked about um, drugs and being on drugs and how I navigated getting out of that party scene and the things that I did while being in the party scene and getting pregnant and how I navigated life, you know, that whole process. Like I've talked about so many intimate things and not because that was my goal. Like, let me talk about these hard parts of my life. You know, so people get to know me. Right. It just naturally happened that way because it, what was it? it's what presented itself to where it's like, what, what else you going to talk about? Girl, you've been pregnant on stage for nine months. Like, what else would you talk about? This is what people want to know. Right. Yeah. She said, look, what else would you talk about, huh? What else would I talk about? (laughs) You know, I talk about the pandemic hitting everybody else. I said, well, the true pandemic, honey, is um, broke men with big penises. I fell victim to it. And that's why we got, that's why we're here. We are. Look, that's why Elijah is here. Let me tell you, being a black woman in Utah dating, honey, you might lower your standards. And listen, you might be, look now, sir, you had a deep voice when I met you. You got a deep voice? Okay, well, let's go. How tall are you? Six, two? 
let's get it cracking. I'll read for the both of us. And I don't care what your IQ score is at this point. I want black love. And so I'm going to take it in whatever form it presents. I know that's you right. Know? hilarious <laughs> hilarious so you let me just say lady j just gave us a little treat right there but she's going to give us a, even more of a treat towards the end of the show so that's just a little snack that she gave you right there <laughs> y'all. A little snack and knack. okay so let right. me just say this during um the season of leo we are you know well let me just say this: some people may or may not know leo season is definitely a season for entertainment it's a season for utilizing our creative self-expression it's a season to certainly tap in and get connected with our children whether they are children from our bodies or whether it's our intellectual children that we brew from our minds and from our creativity. Okay. Whether it could be a book, it could be, you know, um, sculpture, a painting, anything, music composition. It's also a time for romance and love affairs as well. We're going to get into that too. Miss lady J. Yeah. I'm I'm for that part. Romance and love affairs. So during Leo season, we're also seeking a sense of self identity through identifying ourselves with people, places, and things that we can, you know, see ourselves reflected within. So do you see yourself reflected through comedy? And if so, how? Um, I definitely do. Um, With comedy, I reflect in so many ways because God is funny, right? There's definitely a humor factor to him. And so I think along the way of my, my life and the things I've experienced, I feel like he set me up to be a comedian because it's become my therapy when I'm able to go on stage and share my truth. Um, and even though people are laughing at me, I feel like they're laughing with me. Mm, I love that. And it definitely helps me to give my life experiences. Um, even if they are traumatic, um, it's able to, to dead it for me, like to find closure with it. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it deads it to me personally, like, okay, we we can close that chapter. We've spoke about, we've given it life, but I give it wings to someone else. So where me personally, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this in a bit. I'm going to write about an abortion. I'm going to write about being pregnant at 39 and I'm finding closure with it through speaking about it to someone else. It gives it life to them. But for me, it closes that chapter and I can find closure and, and move forward. So comedy is definitely a reflection of me because it, I'm giving it myself. I'm not writing jokes about someone else's life or something I saw on the news and I found a way to make it funny. I'm right. legit talking about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the thing I know most. It's the thing I know most. It's the most tangible. I don't have to pay for the, for the, um, what do you call I don't have to pay for the knowledge. Like where you sign up for school and you're like, okay, now I have to pay to learn this subject. It's my life. Right. So it's, it's what's attainable to me. And so I'm using it. Yeah. I'm using it. And it's been great. I think that's wonderful. I think that's really um, awesome. As a matter of fact, as I'm, you know, talking to you um, and listening to you as well, I feel as though it takes a certain amount of courage. I feel um, oh, yeah. to, yeah, to get up on stage and just, you know, put it out there, 
you know, put your right. life, yeah, put it out there in front of the people, whether, like you said, whether it's an abortion that you're going to talk about or whatever, whatever it is, that takes right. courage, you know, that's, right. you know, Leo energy right there, courage and some strength to get up there and say, let me just put this out here. I'm going to put it out here, put it out on the line. And yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's huge right now to be in 2022 and to, um, to possess the amount of courage that I've learned to have. It's, it's amazing because people are, are very much intimidated. I want to say they're afraid, but maybe just intimidated to be their authentic self because there's so many other images to emulate, right? Because of social media, right. you want to be like this person, that person, this person becomes successful doing this, or this person went viral doing that. And so you kind of get lost in, um, in other images. And so for me, it's like, uh, well, I kind of, if someone was to ask me further about something I wrote about, I want to kind of give some insight. And if I'm talking about someone else's life, I'm kind of limited, right? Right. So the best way to, to go is just talk about me. <laughs> um, and not that I'm vain. It's just, I feel like I've gone through enough things that I can give insight to in a, in a funny way that will help somebody else. So I definitely don't just want to be a funny girl on stage. I definitely feel like um, I have a voice and an opinion that that can be deemed valuable to somebody else. I love that. Whether, yeah, whether it be a single mom or a teacher or a black woman in Utah, I feel like I can give insight to what that what that looks like. But give you that laughter piece too, because that's huge. That is huge. But I love what you're saying. She's like, even if you're a black woman in Utah, we got something yes. for you too. Let's let's relate. Let's get it. Let's get it going. Let's get it cracking. Because <laughs> I wish I had someone's life to kind of peep into before I moved here. I pretty much did my research on Utah just googling. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, well, let me get hip to fry sauce. Okay, they have fry sauce. Let me let me know what that's what that's about before I get there. But to really know what what looking like what being black in Utah looked like, mm -hmm. um, I would have loved to dig into that because I did all the intel I could from Google, right. but I had no one I could tap into and be like, what's life been like for you right. in Utah? You know, so I'm trying to give that insight. So if someone wants to know, you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a resource. So through my comedy, I'm telling you what it is. I'm telling you the dating life. The dating scene, teaching, being a mom, um, being a woman, you know, there's so many elements. So I feel grateful to be in that position and I, I respect it and I, I, I take it seriously. I love it. She said, you know, so comedy. if somebody, like, I take it seriously. Yeah. She said, look, it's My comedy, position, but I take, I take it seriously. It seriously. <laughs> <laughs> she said look if somebody wants to know come to one of my comedy shows come to, come a, comedy to a show, show. Yeah. Know? come to a I'm show honey. You out, <laughs> <laughs> so who are some of your favorite comedians if you have any I'm sure you do um I do and it's funny because before I even got into comedy I was like a lover of like Richard Pryor but like the older Richard Pryor like I remember seeing a movie called Which Way Is Up Oh, love um, it. Became one of my favorites, um, Eddie Murphy, because he's he's just a household name. Like Eddie Murphy did the movies where he was like multiple personalities. Eddie Professor, just seeing how talented he is, it's inspiring. But you know who stands out the most to me because I just feel like 
they're the most like me as far as what I want to do with comedy, like how far you can branch off in the different avenues you can explore through comedy is Kevin mother freaking heart. That man is a hustler. Like, I'm so ready to try his new tequila. It's called Grand Cormino. Look, we could be plugging his. That's how much of a hustler he is. He All right, well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Kevin might listen to this podcast, girl. He might hear it. Come on, heart. Yeah, so he has a tequila, and he did his research. He went to Mexico and partnered up with some people who really know, um, know the product and. His tag is, you know, hard work tastes a little different. And so it's his it's his idea of giving you quality and it being also affordable, you know. And so I know he had, I think, um, like a, a sunglasses line, like these shades or whatever. But he's just a hustler and he's such a family man. So he's balancing his life to where it's like admirable like yeah. Kevin Hart when I see him do that stand up in his house uh-huh. like he has a space in his house like okay yes the pandemic is happening and we're not able to do things in person but when right. the time allowed he had the space to do that and I was like that's so neat that he can produce a whole comedy special from his home yeah you know um so from a hustler standpoint, I definitely, he's one of my, my favorite inspirations, but Dave Chappelle has been one of the biggest ones for me because when I was younger, I couldn't appreciate Dave Chappelle. Oh my God, Dave Chappelle got on my reserve nerves. I was like, the Dave Chappelle show, y'all, this is obnoxious, it is aggressive, and it is annoying. She said you he know, got on the I nerves just, that was reserved. <laughs> on the reserve nerves nerves you got reserved for something else honey i was like i don't understand this style it's very just loud even when he was on nutty professor remember he was the stand-up um comedian in the show yes with the annoying laugh and it was yes and it was just still then i was like oh he's just too much but now that I'm in it and I'm I'm older, I'm yeah. like he's smart comedy though. When you take away the show and you just do his his stand up, I'm like he's a smart the way he writes and mm-hmm. the way he can keep you engaged without having to laugh a thousand times. Right. Um, his punchlines are huge, but um, his storytelling ability and his ability to stay relevant, like as controversial as he may seem sometimes, at least he's touching on um, current topics. Um, and I just I just love his style. I love his ability to keep you engaged without um, there being a punchline every two seconds. Mm-hmm. He's still funny. You know, even you got to follow along and that, that laugh may not come till three minutes. But when you laugh, you like, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what that, I was waiting that, for. That, that was, hit me yeah. where it needed to hit me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my top right now. Um, and then Michelle, I can't remember her last name. I feel so bad as far as female comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Michelle. I can't remember her last name. Ali Wong stands out to me because she's the first comedian I've seen have a Netflix special while being pregnant. And so that's what stood out about me doing comedy is everyone knows me for being pregnant on stage. 
Um, as a matter of fact, there's some shows I had to cancel towards the end because they were bigger shows. And they're like, we can't risk your water breaking on stage. At this point, people are paying $200 for tickets and we can't let them down. We don't want we that kind of finale. Deliver. Yeah, we need <laughs> you to deliver, but not a baby. So we go, <laughs> we're going to go with someone else. And I'm like, I understand. But at least I was, I was able and willing. But um, Ali Wong, and she's she's hilarious. Um, but yeah, being in Utah, I'm compared to Tiffany Haddish, and I guess because in my age range and me being a young black comedian, like that's to to to, to the Utahs. We'll refer to that term again. Right. Um, that's what they know as far as black comedy with females is yeah. Tiffany Haddish. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know? No black girls doing comedy. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish, of course. Black girls doing comedy. Oh, Tiffany Haddish. We gonna put you in that. We gonna put you in that. I'm DJ, and uh, <laughs> nice to meet you. It is a pleasure for you to meet me, like Dragon Jones, <laughs> Dragonfly Jones would say. It's a pleasure for you to meet me. Um, but me? yeah, so. It's interesting um, that you said that Dragonfly Jones. He is one of my favorite Martin characters. Do you hear me? Right. My favorite. Oh, hands I know down, hands down. Easily. Yes, I know a lot of people like Jerome and they like Shanene. And right. I, you know, it's nothing taken away from them. But Dragonfly is it for me? Dragonfly Please. Jones. Because <laughs> look, he don't even. It's not even a lot of episodes of him. But it's just he's not even an official martial arts instructor okay like he's just doing what he do and he got this sidekick who um uh, is like sir pay me and yes. <laughs> pay my lights about to be cut off my phone he like look get in line so we're gonna teach you self-defense class <laughs> yes. you ain't teaching nobody nothing but to get tossed around dragonfly jones always got his butt whooped but I Every think episode. I think for me, is it it's called physical comedy? Yes or no? Yeah, yes, yeah, honey, it's a physical huge. comedy. That's yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's huge. I find myself the more comfortable I am on stage, I naturally get into like the physical comedy aspect. Where if I'm in my head too much, I'm like, well, I don't know how to act that out, or I don't know how to really be loose. Right. You don't just go for it. But the more comfortable I am your physical comedy it just comes out of you your body can't help but to to try to demonstrate what you're explaining what you're talking about you know mm-hmm. i know that yeah. is right so interesting yeah. um it's interesting that you talked about kevin hart because we talked about kevin hart a tad bit uh in our previous episode so kevin if you're listening, if you we listen, got you. Yes, we got you on two episodes. In. Okay, tap, tap, <laughs> tap in. All right, brother. Yes, we know you are a cancer, honey, and you are a six cancer. You know, born on the sixth of July, so we got right. it in. You know, right. um, little water energy there, and that family and home energy going on yes. too. Yeah, yeah, that six is home and family. Um, and speaking of family, do you? Um, ever have your children inspire you and, and your creative artistry as a comedian? Do they, do your children ever inspire your creativity and your artistry as a comedian? Oh, definitely. Definitely. My kids are in my face every day. It would behoove me. What's the word behoove? <laughs> <laughs> it would behoove. It would be in my best interest to include them because they give me so much material. Just, I have twins who are feminized and just to watch them um, naturally just cohabitate. 
like there's times where they don't know I'm recording and I'm recording a conversation of theirs and they arguing over the fact that, well, you cry and you uh, whine about it. Well, at least I don't cry and whine. I just whine about it. What are y'all arguing about, really? Y'all really <laughs> having an argument about who's crying and whining versus who's just whining? Yes. Is that what we're talking about? So my kids are constantly giving, giving me material because they're in my life. Like, this is this is what we are right now. We're yeah. in each other's space. Um, I'm constantly being their teacher. Um, and being a teacher, my students are giving me material. And so um, they're mostly who I talk about. I have a bit about going to, to parent-teacher conferences. Uh-huh. You know, like I got to take time out of my schedule to talk to some woman about my son that I know about my son, ma'am. You ain't got to <laughs> tell me that he don't read too well. We, we've been reading I Am Frog for 10 years You now. know what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, why you? Why I got to come listen to you tell me my, my, where my son's struggling at? I know he's had a hefty absence record. He at home with me. <laughs> and how old is he? We and I am frog for 10 years. Good. He's 10 years old, okay? When she's trying to tell me how many days of school he missed, I said, where do you think he's been at, man? The bar? Happy hour? He's been home with me. I know how many days he's missed. So me just being a parent, like every day there's material. It's constant material. And people are like, people in real life who know my son, they find the bits even more funny because they're like, I just picture Malachi. Like I talk about, you know, the kids um, remotely learning from home. Yeah. And so when I'm trying to teach my students on a screen through Zoom, I got my son in my peripheral with no shirt on. He got the cat in his lap. And I hear his teacher saying, well, let's keep our babies and, and pets out of the camera. And let's <laughs> let's dress for success. Uh, ma'am, just call out Malachi, because I'm sure he is the only kid on this Zoom goddamn classroom that ain't got no shirt on, got the pet in his lap. Let's just call a spade a spade. Malachi, go put a shirt on. So, you know, this it, it just was the material that was given to me. And I I am smart enough, thank God, to pick up on, you know, just the material that is in my natural life. And my kids are a huge part of that because I'm a mom. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's what I do now. She said, we just call it a spade a spade. It's Malachi, call it honey. Spade, just, it's Malachi. Just, <laughs> remember, he's, he's been like, reading I, I Am Frog abs. for 10 years. <laughs> exactly. He said, I was born with these abs, and I need y'all to admire them before I put a pencil to paper. I know that's right. Oh, right. My goodness. So we talked about, you know, your favorite comedians, and I know you spoke about um, Dave Chappelle being one of them. Um, mm-hmm. is it ever a gamble to freely express yourself as a comedian? Um, we are talking about, you know, the season of creative self-expression with the season of Leo. Right. And also, too, how important is it to be able to freely express yourself as a comedian? Because, again, you know, we have Dave Chappelle and what he's got going on back and forth with the LGBTQ community. Um, right. You know, we have Chris Rock and the incident that took place with him and Will Smith and the incident right. that took place with Dave Chappelle once again, you know, um, in the right. city, of, in, in Utah. Right. Yeah. So my friend told me, she said, well, I don't know what you might need security because the way these folks is run up on these stages, these ass a little anyway, where about me and my opinion not yet <laughs> she said not, not yet. yet you know we, we playing it safe out the gate you know we can't get too controversial with it because if dave Chappelle is if and he literally said this i was able to go to a show he came to salt lake this year a couple months ago nice 
And if someone um, of his stature is like, my career could end at any minute. If he's still with that concern, who am I to just all willy-nilly say what I want on stage? Ma'am, you ain't barely got started. Don't get canceled before you got started. So I take heed to that because no matter how long you've been in the game, people are sensitive. People are sensitive. People are offended. They are quick to say, you shouldn't have said that. Right. So there's, there's a part of me that's like, well, maybe you shouldn't go to comedy shows because this is one of our last forms of expression, I feel like, doing yeah. comedy. It's a huge part of my life now, so I couldn't imagine not being able to express myself the way that I want to, but also being smart about it. So mm-hmm. there's some things that I'm like, well, sh- I need to get this off, the, off my chest, and if I feel like the stage is not an appropriate place, girl, I'll call my mama. <laughs> Look. <laughs> I just call her and run her ear in the ground and that gets it off my chest but I know just being smart and if I feel like God has blessed me with this opportunity I don't want to squander it by being selfish and just feeling like let me just say what I want to say I know that you know true. there's definitely some some thought in place and yeah intention with my message on stage and and how I want to be perceived and I don't want to I'm not here to ruffle feathers that's not my my end game with this career you know yeah she said in in to Anna Dave Chappelle she said mama let me holla 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 let me holla 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 holla. right (laughs) let me holla at you (laughs) because I got something to say Right. I got something yeah. to say, and I can't. I, I prefer to not say it on stage. Let me say it to you. Yeah, definitely, right. definitely. Because to be be a vet in the game, like Dave Chappelle, yeah. um, like I said, I was um, able to go to his show when he came here recently, and um, we had to lock our phones up mm-hmm. um, out of respect of like allowing him to be free in his speech right um so our phones were locked up in these little pouches and we were able to have them on our you know with us but we didn't have access to them as far as recording and so without it being a tv special being filmed he felt like he was able to speak freely about his interactions with the lgbtq community yeah and someone i don't know how was kind of snuck their phone in which is still I have not figured it out to this day but I'm like okay so someone had their phone out so while he gets into this portion of his his um set about the community the LGBTQ community he's explaining where he's coming from like I've I've never been against the transgender community right one of the people he let open for him in San Francisco was a transgender Mm mm-hmm um, rest in peace they passed away um so it never was it never was that that wasn't the narrative um and so while he's trying to explain it he's like well since you guys didn't understand me y'all try to get me canceled then he has some choice words after that and in the midst <laughs> of that he recognized someone with their phone out okay and let me tell you i was on the edge of my seat like lord you got to budget this hundred dollars to get this ticket lord god please let him finish this show because if he walks off stage and I'm in this cute little satin dress, I'm also budgeted into my life. Right. <laughs> she was like, please and thank please you, Lord. Please and thank you. Or this dress go to waste, Lord Jesus. <laughs> um, and he pushed through like a professional and I respected that. But it could have been the end of the show. Right. He's like, and he mentioned that too. He's like, 
Chris Rock just got slapped on stage. So not only have I had to hire extra security, now I have to secure the house. My, I have to police the house myself. Right. Because there's a whole security guy behind the man who's recording me right now. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? You know, so he was pretty upset. He actually took a moment. He went off stage and talked to some of his um some of his people. And so there was a moment of like anticipation, like, so what's gonna happen? Like, is this it? Is he gonna continue? Right. Now what what's what what what's gonna happen? Yes. Um and he, he did, he continued, and it took him a minute. Look, if you think Dave Chappelle smokes chain smokes, honey. <laughs> After he lit about ten cigarettes. After that thing, I think he ten cigarettes at once. Look, I think he led another cart was brought up on stage at that oh point. I said, "Well, shoot, he gonna keep a cigarette in his hand at this rate." Lord. It just was one thing after another, but I was glad to be there and and experience and really um, see him as a whole comedian. There's parts of him I respected, but just to see that he pushed through yes. something like that, because Lord Jesus, in this state, in my career, I'd say, look, go back to this classroom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she said was I was fun. in it. She said I was in it for a hot minute. Let me. <laughs> I came, I saw, I conquered in a year. We done here. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. So just that ability to to have that platform and to express yourself, I definitely feel like to who much is given, much is required. So, yes. um, you do have a sense of obligation to kind of watch your tongue, you know. And and it, and also, thing I, I think it depends on where you want to go in the career. How far do you want to go? What type right. of stages do you want to um, to reach? Because if you're okay with just doing some holes in the wall and mm-hmm. you know carrying on with the open mics, say what you want because right. that's just the the magnitude of, of where you're at with it. You just want to talk your shit. But if you really want to reach the masses and you have a real message, I feel like you there do there does need to be some strategic pieces in order. Right. And that and that comes with the territory and that that may not being able to say everything you want to say because mm-hmm. there's a time and place for everything and it, it may not be necessary, you know? So that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I know, you know, um, there have been some comedians who would say, you know, um, their artistry, it's art, you know, um, and it's their artwork, it's their artistry, and it's it embodies who they are authentically. And, you know, right. some people are like, you know this is who I am. Take it or leave it. I'm not, I'm not one to be censored because it's art. It's just, what did he say? I think his name was, um, dice clay, something dice clay from back in the day. Um, Uh and he would say, it's just comedy or something like that. Like, you know, it's not, you know, trying to take it personally. It's just comedy. And it's, it's our, our way of, expressing ourselves and being who we truly and really are not necessarily needing to censor ourselves. And so with that being said, and I heard you say it, and I loved what you said about sensitivity um, as it pertains to the people, as it pertains to society being sensitive. Do you think that um, to in today's society, people are more sensitive as opposed to, maybe 20, 30 years ago when we had like, you know, Eddie Murphy out here, Richard Pryor out here and, you know, and things of that nature. 
do you think the you know society is 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 a tad bit more sensitive now than you know maybe back in the 80s maybe I do believe it and only because I think um the stress factor is higher mm-hmm. like just with the way life is is turning out mm-hmm. um people are under a lot of financial stress or under you know the stress of finding who they really are and their identity and where they fit in and so if your journey of figuring out who you are in this day and age has been trying you are a little more on the sensitive side yeah and maybe you need to stay out the comedy clubs you know <laughs> don't come here place for you. Go, to the, go to the aquariums get some tranquility amongst the water and ocean <laughs> no that's right what she said, go um, kumbaya somewhere. Don't come here. Go to, a, go to a fire pit session. Oh, um, right. the, the comedy club, you know, the laugh factory is, is for you. So um, I do think that it's changed. Um, and so what I tend to do is, you know, the advice I've gotten from my mentors in the comedy field is yes. don't change your material according to the audience. Okay. So I, I definitely step on stage and I read the room. Um, and I know what material to present and what not to, mm. but the sensitivity is not going anywhere. Right. So it's, it's definitely just finding a way to steal. Even if I, I've come into places and thought I had a whole set in place and I'm like, oh, this is not going to resonate. Mm. You know, this, this audience is not going to relate. I'm talking about things that they just is you just know there's some things you know that just you just know okay this this is not going to hit home it's not going to land right it's not right. going to land right right and so switching to a different joke is different than i'm not going to say that cuz it's offensive like i have a reparations joke and at the last minute i decided to go for it i was like the whole night i'm like cuz it was a um this event is where the the stand up comedians tell a joke and then the improv group acts it out so there's like rounds. So there's me and two other comedians. We tell a joke, like a, you know, a five minute joke, and then they act it out. And so it's like my second round, I tell my second joke and I'm like this third joke. I'm like, it's my reparations joke. It's my first time doing it. And I say, either it's going to land and they're going to, they're going to be with it or they're going to just be uncomfortably silent because that's what being sensitive is doing now to the audience is where do I laugh at that? Because I think it's funny. Right. But if I laugh at it, am I being offensive? Like, even for the audience, it's it's kind of awkward. Right. Where it's like, I think it's funny personally, and I want to kiki my butt off. But <laughs> if I laugh, is that offending somebody else? Right. So the world in a whole, no matter what profession you have, I just think we're all in this state of, I think some people are even waiting to be offended because that's their voice. That's what they stand on. Mm-hmm. They want that. They want to be able to share their rebuttal and their opinion, mm-hmm. you know, but um, in comedy, it's more so um, what you, if you, if for me, that joke, that reparations joke, it was something that happened in real life and it kind of spoke volumes to my experience being a teacher in Utah, being an African-American teacher in Utah. Right. That joke to me was everything. So it comes to a point where it's like, what is your message? There's some things that you have to speak on and you just got to hope for the best. It's also that it comes with risk taking. Yes. It comes with risk taking. Mm. And that's when you start to live life and not just exist. So that reparations joke to me was everything. And when it landed, 
let me tell you, I was like, oh my gosh, now I see where me and the Utahns can relate because they are here for the culture. There are some who will come see you because of what you present. And so you can't deprive them of informing them on, on, on your life because they're here for it. It showed me that people wanted to know who I was in my experiences. They were rooting for me in that joke. Like not only were they laughing, but they, the, their, their applause gave me a sense of they understood and they supported me, you know? Well, thank so you. That Lady was, J. that was a beautiful moment. Thank you, Lady J. <laughs> thank you for the reparations uh, joke, honey. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it about. I was like, oh, do I do it or do I not? You know what? At this point, just do it, girl. Just do it, girl. Yeah. You know that sound? They'd be like, I ain't going to do it, girl. I'm just thinking about it. Don't do it, girl. I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I did it. And or it's not, but at least I know where to go with this with this joke. And it was amazing because the applause was like, we stand with you. Yeah. And we support you and we understand. Yeah. You know? I love that because you are you're talking to us. You're taking us behind the scenes of comedy. Like, you know what I mean? Like what a comedian goes through a bit, you know, mentally. When you talked about reading the room first, like, you know, is this going to fly or is it going to, you know, is it going to land or is it going to flop or maybe I should try this or what I already had planned. Now that I'm reading the room, it might not work. It's not going to work here. And that's like a lot of. um that's risk taking, that's gambling, like Leo, risk taking, gambling. But it's also, again, like I said, courage. You just had the courage to just just go for it. Like I'm just yeah. gonna go. I'm yeah. gonna go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm it a green sh- it light. Showed my, it showed my boldness. Yeah. So if someone in the so if someone was watching me that was a scout, um, now they know if they were to book me what they're what they can anticipate yeah. you know like okay if we're looking for more bolder comedians or someone's going to tell it like it is right now we search for lady j so it kind of gives also promoters a sense of who you are and you know if that's what they're looking for they know to book you see that's why i had you on this show for <laughs> leo season all that, yes for all that boldness and feistiness now yes. what do you see is the spiritual significance of comedy oh wow let me pause for the cause because that's a that's a huge piece for me she said let uh, me tilt my let me let me yeah, tilt let me, let me let me shift let me shift my yeah, let me shift <laughs> let me take a sip of water honey <laughs> let me let me get hydrated and lubricated <laughs> Yes. Um, so the spiritual sense for me um, is super, super deep. Um, just a little bit of a backstory before comedy started. So last summer, outside opened up, and baby, I was the captain of of being outside. Yes. Okay, yes. Um, I was with all the shits. Like you want to <laughs> do it, I'm with it. <laughs> Where's that? Come get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So me being a people person. Um. I just was outside. I was with my friends and we were doing the things. And so when I first started comedy, before I knew I was pregnant, I was still drinking. Like I was drinking in the daytime. You catch me on a Tuesday at 2.15, girl wasted. <laughs> okay? Just Black girl wasted. The sauce. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I was doing open mics. And when I tell you, well, it wasn't, it wasn't a shit show. 
it was the fact that I think people were laughing at me and not with me. So I was doing open mics and Lord Jesus, half the time I was probably blacked out on stage. You know, I'm doing like five minute sets and the only reason I know I'm, I was funny is because I seen people laughing in the audience. Nothing else was resonating as, you know, this is a, this is, you found your niche. Mm-hmm. Um, I just seen people laughing and I would, something would say, get off stage and I'd get off stage and carry on. And no one really knew, uh, something's not right. Um, I remember one day drinking Hennessy and I was with people that just, they were down and out themselves and we was drinking all day. And I knew I had a gig that night and nobody could take me, you know, they didn't have no car and Lady J, we sorry, we can't give you a ride. And I didn't have no money to, to lift to the venue. Mm-hmm. I kid you not. I hitchhiked from the house I was at on state street. So if you live in Utah, you know, state streets, like a major street. Um, and I hitchhiked. I mean, he's like, thumb up, honey. Thumb up and out, arm extended. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I hitchhiked. I remember getting in this truck. And this is actually the first time I'm sharing this story, which is very much vulnerable. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And so I get in this pickup truck, and it's a white man. And I remember him asking me how much. And in my mind, I'm like, for gas? You want me to drop a couple of dollars on gas? I'm just having you take me a couple blocks up, sir. Right. You know, just sir. not knowing, like, the situation I was really in. Right. That could have turned out so bad. But in my mind, it was like, I have to get to this gig. So always subconsciously, I'm like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just passing out on the person's couch, I'm like, no, I got to get to my show, drunk or not. So um, long story short, he drops me off. Uh, we get to the venue. Um, thank heavens, nothing happened. He just ends up just dropping me off, and I do my set. Mm-hmm. But I'm blacked out. I'm blacked out the whole four to seven minutes I was on stage. And I remember my, some of my friends actually came to that show to support me. They probably were actually the only people in the building. But um, I just remember thinking, this is not how it's supposed to feel. Right. I don't think this is the way me doing comedy is supposed to be mm-hmm. this this is not this is not right so i continue to party kind of just let that subside for a minute um i continue to party and along the way i get pregnant and in deciding to go through with this pregnancy because that's a story in itself um God showed me, I need you sober. And if it took me giving you a whole child in your belly to stop you from drinking and partying so that you could take this comedy seriously, that's mm. what I'm going to do. Because, daughter, you hard-headed. Yeah. You hard-headed. So I knew, he he knew he had to do something, you know, drastic to get my attention. And I did comedy the whole pregnancy, but it allowed me to approach it from an intelligent point of view. Right. To really write material, to really think of of what I was doing from a sober state of mind. And that changed the game for me. Now I'm doing comedy with intent. Now I'm not doing open mics. I'm booking shows. 
Come on now, come where, through. Where other, people, look, where other people are like, oh, because I've booked my own show. I did a comedy and cupcake show, and I was the headliner, and I booked co- comedians to open for me. But before that, I'm now booking shows, and I'm being paid. Where other people are, where other people are like, other comedians are like, oh, just my name on the flyer is compensation enough. I'm just happy to do a show with these certain comedians. It's you don't have to pay me, right. uh, baby, baby. I got baby on the way. <laughs> right. I'm gonna buy diapers. <laughs> um, I'm charging seventy five dollars for fifteen minutes, and they're paying it gladly. Yes. And so I begin to book shows. I'm on flyers now. Now my picture is the biggest picture on the flyer. And I was like, oh, but you're a comedian. You're doing this. You're doing this. We're, <laughs> we are doing this. And it's been up ever since. Like, I've been doing shows literally until um, it was like, hey, your water might break on stage. We might have to reschedule, you know. <laughs> and I was and I was happy with it. I've been, I've been happy with it. It changed the game for me. Um, so spiritually, I felt like God was tugging on my heart to say, daughter, I want your attention. And and for you to be who you're going to be in this world, um, this is the journey. And I need you to tap in. Yeah. I need you to tap in so that you can you can walk this journey and figure out what it is I want for your life. Yeah. And if comedy is the piece of it, because I really believe that he's using comedy to get a stage under my feet and a microphone in my hand. I believe that he has a bigger message for me um, to give to the masses. And this is just a transition piece. Yeah. Like, okay, I started with comedy, but eventually, um, who knows where it could go? Who knows? I could go from comedy to being a mega speaker. Of That's some right. Sort. That's what I see for my life. The sky so, is the limit, honey. The sky isn't even the limit. You can go beyond. <laughs> you can go beyond. And what I hear you say is that, you know, spiritually, comedy has helped you to transform. It changed your, you know, your behavior. It and saved how you, my life. Yeah, it saved it your life. life. Yeah. yeah. Transform. And you know what? Your comedy will and probably has already done that very same thing for someone else. Save their right. lives, right? Help to transform them in some way, shape, or form with your message through comedy. Come yeah. through, Miss yeah. Lady J. Okay. Yeah, de- definitely. <laughs> even my even my um colleagues, like the, the people who who circulate these venues with me and are, are doing the footwork, right? The grind, the open mic nights and going to the coffee shops and going to the hole in the walls and yeah, um, people who have now learned me on a personal level and have seen me do the grind along with them while being pregnant. They're like, Lady J, you ain't hit a stage, I ain't hit. So you are <laughs> such an inspiration because if yeah. you're doing it, what? Am I, I have no, I have out? no excuse. I have no, I have no excuse. <laughs> right. And so I love that piece of it too, that I'm able to inspire the fellow comedians in Salt Lake, even especially the black ones, I will say, because what I've kind of um, shed a light on is the fact that we can be who we are, no matter what the demographic is, right? Like just because, maybe doing comedy that appeases a different culture may sell more tickets. The point is there still are people who are wanting to be educated by your culture. So if you're sharing real life experiences and who you are, Mm -hmm. it it gives them a peephole into what the, what being an African-American is, 
um, a single mother, a teacher, you know, a woman who's dating, it sheds a light on that and they become more interested in and supportive or, or even lack thereof. But um, that's the piece I love about it too, is I've, I've helped other African-American comedians in Utah understand that it's okay to be black. You don't have to change your material because the audience is white or they may not understand no it's okay to be transparent and be who you are you don't have to write jokes that you know they're going to laugh at we don't have to laugh at ourselves in order to get the laughs of others right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. we don't have to be the butt of the joke just because it sells more tickets i've been blessed enough to to have a sellout show my first show that i've put on myself like orchestrated from the top to the bottom Mm -hmm. um was a sold out show um and i was very happy with that just being so new to the game and i and i sometimes i have to stop myself from saying that because i don't want to discredit you know what i've done so far because that's like not even the tip of the iceberg like just watching comedians like david a arnold i have so much respect for him but it wasn't until 27 years later that it's like oh now the world knows his name right you know um so it does it takes time and it's a grind and it's it's not for the week like he says so um i've just i've just made a, a good impact so far so i, I feel blessed that's awesome. So when someone has a Lady J experience, what do you want them to come away with or, or leave with? Oh, man. What do I want them to leave with? Um, I want them to leave with um, knowing that the ability to be so transparent and authentic is is so valuable these days. I want them to know that that's, it's a huge piece. Like we have all these these TikTokers and social media influencers, but I feel like in a sense we're becoming robotic because we're only doing something that the last person did that made them go viral. Yeah. We're only doing a dance that was a trend because someone else did it and it blew up. So we're gonna do that. Everyone is following the footsteps of the last person that did it and blew up and we're losing our authentic self. So the biggest thing I want them to take away from is this is my real life. And I'm, and I'm telling it in a way that you understand me better and you can respect me off stage. Cause I'm not just the funny girl, but you can be your true self and win. Yeah. You don't have to be anybody else. Mm. I can't do comedy in the style of anybody else I've seen. Right. I honestly don't see anyone. Um, so far being as like, you know, everyone tells like their stories from their childhood and you know, what their mama was like, or that drunk auntie at the Thanksgiving dinner was like, (laughs) um, but for me to still be in it, I I feel like their stories from the past. So it's easier for them to laugh at. Mm -hmm. But what I find where I'm different is I'm still in it. Yeah. So when I talk about a story, it didn't happen 20 years ago. It happened just last Tuesday. So I'm giving hope to the hopeless to tell them like you can you can still triumph because this is still my journey. I haven't hit the top. I'm not at the top of the mountain looking down at you guys saying, Well, guys, this is what I did. Let me throw the rope down now. I'm trying to throw a little inch of my rope while I'm still climbing. Right. Right. You know? Yes. I feel like it's a little more relatable that way. 
Yeah. You're like saying, take, you're taking the journey with me. I'm not, I haven't, I haven't reached the end of the mountain yet. The top of the mountain. yet. (laughs) Right. Right. You're taking it with me. Yeah. 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 Wow. I love it. So what advice, because I heard you say that, you know, this field or this, 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 this massive thing, this wonderful thing, right. Called comedy. Um, isn't for the faint of heart. It's not for the weak. So, yeah, what advice do you have for those who may be interested in becoming a comedian such as yourself? Um, I think my family life has played a big part of it. Like, your support system is everything in everything you do, right? It should be. So if, if you're not talking to the people around you, um, your friends and family, coworkers about this journey you're on, if you're new to it, something you're thinking about, um, you definitely want that support in place. I think for me doing the open mics when I first started, the friends that would come out and support me was everything to me. Oh. Where seeing other people who have been in the game for 15 years were like, at this point, my grind is just showing up. I ain't got one friend in the audience. But because I got such a strong support out the gate, it's mm-hmm. what pushed me to keep going. But me constantly reevaluating the why. Yeah. And what was my ultimate message. So really keeping intact of, of my why. Because if the minute I got away from my why, I would lose the drive to do it. And my why is to spread a message, a bigger message. And I haven't really hit the nail on the head yet with what the exact message is besides being authentic to yourself and not finding shame in your journey, but but giving hope to the hopeless. Um, when I got away from my why, I would lose that drive. If I, if I got too concerned with the views, like, oh, well, I posted this video and I didn't get views, or this video only got one comment. I'm getting away from my why because I'm not in it for the for the popularity. I'm I'm not in it for the comments. I'm in it for the impact. Right. And so constantly assessing um my why's and my motives, I think that is my my advice to anyone getting to comedy. Keep your why intact. <laughs> like literally that's all I can say. Like as long as you are doing it for the reason you set out to do it and you don't get distracted with the applause because we're human, right? So humanity says, I want the applause, I want the recognition, right. I want that acknowledgement. Um, and you you'll get discouraged because what happens when the acknowledgement is not there? What happens when you're not booking shows? What's gonna keep you writing? What's gonna keep you in the lab? You know, what's going to keep your head in the game. And so just making sure like your motives are in place. I know that's that, right. that would be my advice and your support system. Make sure that you, you definitely have someone to support you because it is rough. Yeah. It's rough when no one's encouraging you. Like I have friends in the game and they're like, girl, I'm so tired. I just got home from work. And I'm like, look, meet me at the place. We're doing this open mic tonight. I know it's a shitty coffee house, but friend, you got to test out your material. I'm mm-hmm. trying to book you for a show. And I don't know if you're funny because I ain't never seen you stand up. So let's go. <laughs> She's like, I don't know if you're funny so- now. You, you, yeah. <laughs> you want this. You better get up on this stage. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to promote you. And I'm here for you, my black sister. Cause we the only ones out here doing it, but I, I don't even know if you're funny yet. Cause you just got here. Yeah. So- give me something to go off of so just kind of you know keeping it real again i had to be real with her and that encouraged her to show up to the open mic and i was like oh girl you funny as hell 
<laughs> Come on here. You, you funny. Oh, <laughs> my bill. Yeah, you funny, girl. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's having that support in place, you know. I love it. She said, don't let the ego get in the way and keep, keep, yeah. keep, keep your why intact and don't let your yes. why be your ego. Um, and that's, that's also a part of Leo season two, because you want to be up there because you know, you want people to see you and it's all about you and, but there's a bigger message, right? So hold on to that bigger right. message and whatever it is that you're being and doing and having and have your support system. I love it. Right. Yeah, because that ego can run. It can run with it, and you forget. Ooh, yeah. yeah, once that ego is stroked with all them likes and 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 loves right. and 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 applauses. Time, <laughs> let me tell you, the first time someone came up to me, I was actually in the mall with my friend, and I'm telling you, this is at the very beginning. The very, I'm just doing open mics. I think I have booked one show at this point. I've got one show under my belt. It was a Black Santa show, and I'm in the mall, and this barber runs out of the barbershop he's like you do comedy right you're lady j i just started following you on instagram like how can i keep up i want to come to your next show baby (laughs) call me (laughs) tiffany haddish at this point where's my sponsorships look just for one person (laughs) where they at where where they at (laughs) <laughs> it's me recognizing me was like me. i have a rise look i got the wine for you baby i wanted that feeling over and over again i was like now this is where it's at these are the little perks that come with it because you do where we are wrapped in this flesh and so those things you know those things are the things that kind of like okay these are the perks of of being on stage and people recognizing you and, and respecting what you do. So yeah. you want to make sure when people are looking up to you, um, you give them something to look forward with and some, some takeaways, not just being funny, but, but making a difference, you know? Now talking about being funny, do you feel comedy is important now during these days and times that we are currently in, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Laughter. If it ever was a medicine, it's, it's medicine for, for now. Um, people are very stressed and and overwhelmed and um, I remember having an hour special I said I ain't gonna wait on Netflix honey to give me my hour special I'm gonna run it myself (laughs) and so for my birthday um, because I'm 39 yeah my 39th birthday I had an hour special it was very intimate and Kevin Hart inspired it I was like it was great that he had it in his home I'm, I'm pretty sure he felt Um, more comfortable or you know kind of enticed him to share other things that he would oppose to be on a big stage and to be in film but um being in someone's house and just having 25 friends come and um listen to some more childhood stories I had to share and um relationship you know sharing my relationship with my parents and my siblings um it definitely gave a different vibe to it and it was so nice Mm -hmm. it was such a good feeling and i'm like that that felt right Mm -hmm. it felt right um so i really i really enjoyed doing it that way but it was just another piece that encouraged me to say people want this a lot of people that showed up were saying I anticipated this show because I had a long week and I knew when I came to your party, I was going to be able to hear some good stories and let my hair down have, and have a good drink. And I was, I was glad <laughs> that they anticipated my show because they knew what to expect. Yes. 
because I have shared stories on stage, you know, public venues, and they know how transparent I am and true to myself, they kind of knew this is going to be a good show. She's about to share an hour. It's all brand new material. I've had a hard two weeks. This is the thing on my calendar that I keep circling. I've got to be there. Yeah. And so when I showed up and seen everybody there, it's different when you invite 25 people and then you show up and the 25 people you invited, they're all there bodies in the room it was like overwhelming i was so happy but it was a good show i talked about being jesus for halloween and all it right was a hit. well come on now with your jesus sandals come on <laughs> it was a hit i had the pictures and the receipts to to um to show for the story like you got to see me as jesus in the third grade it made it just that much more funny <laughs> um so yeah i i, I love that but um yeah, so people knowing what to expect from my from my style of comedy, I love that. I think that's awesome. And 39, by the way, when you simplify that numerically, that's the number three when you break that down. Right. Yeah, and the number three is creativity. It is creativity. It is inspiration. Right. It's motivation. It's right. all of those things. And you are a creative, motivating, and inspiring being. So look at that. Three nine. Thank you. Thank you so much. I remember us talking um previously and you telling me this is a year for creators to create. And I pass that message along to anyone I know that is a creative. Like that is my that is my piece. Okay. Yes. I'm like, listen, because someone told me this is the year because Bernie landed on my yes. show. This is the year for creatives to create. And so I feel like um Keep that in mind, yeah. my creative friend. You yeah. know, someone told it to me, and I've been—it's been doing me some justice. So I, I, I would encourage you to take heed to that. And yeah. so, anyone I know who is a creative, I, I pass on that—that that little information—and they're like, "Oh my gosh, Jay, yeah, you're so right." Yeah, this year is a a six universal numerical year, and a number six. Actually, the numbers three, six, and nine; those numbers are creative numbers. Um, and so this is a six universal year where creativity definitely needs to shine. And with this being Leo season, Leo season is creative self-expression. That is creative energy. So, you know, right now with you being on here, it was only right. It's aligned astrologically and numerically. Creativity, right. creativity, creativity. Creativity. <laughs> I love it. Because every step of the way, I feel like that's my main goal. I'm like, how can I be creative today? Yeah. So even when my kids are like, well, we're so bored. I'm like, let's go do a photo shoot. Yeah. Let's be creative. Let's, let's create. Honey, that's Pisces energy. Y'all create. Look, Erica Badu, Pisces. You, look. Pisces. Look, she said, look. <laughs> I was at Marshall's. I said, Lord, you done pointed me to the right place. I'm at Marshall's. I go to the baby section. And in the clearance part, there is a baby carrier for $30. And I have been searching for them online. You know, this everything's so fancy now. Fancy schmancy. So all these baby carriers. I'm finding they are like 300 and up. All the cute ones, at least. I'm like, oh, this is leopard print. Yes, I want this. Oh, but it ain't that cute. It ain't $300 worth cute. <laughs> so I'm at Marshall's and I find one for 30 bucks. Same day, I bring it home and I say, kids, tomorrow we're doing a photo shoot. Strap the baby to my chest and we did a photo shoot and it just, it just felt good to create, you know? Um, oh. Even though it was something as small as a photo shoot to them, they enjoyed it. We got out. And it's something we did as a family. Um, and so it was it was good. Let so me find I'm out you always got a, looking. 
Huh? Okay, let me find out you got another hidden talent. Let me find we got a photographer in the building. Look, it's all in the angles, honey. Don't be too, <laughs> don't be Shout out to all my creatives and, and photographers doing their thing. It's all in the angles. Just just figure out what works for you. Yeah. You know, set, set your own phone up and take them shots. I know that's right. You can do black <laughs> and white. You can do all them things. I know that right. is right. Now, we talked about this season being creative, you know, a season of creativity and self-expression. But guess what? Leo season is also the season of love affairs and romance. And I know you was probably waiting for this question. Hey, get Have into you... it, y'all. <laughs> I mean, that's the missing piece of the puzzle. Now it's not my love. I'm got all these wins. Who I'm going to share with? Yeah. Have you found a divine? reflection my sister of yourself within a, in a brother have you found that divine reflection sister girlfriend look because I'm in Utah honey <laughs> Ooh, the pickings and I know across the world across the globe people are struggling in the dating scene um, and some people have become successful and that's who keeps hope alive for me the ones who have found their print I know I know. He said, he chimed, he said, Step Daddy, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Elijah said, where you at? Where you at? <laughs> so, um, yeah, dating's been rough because now I find myself um, like, okay, well, maybe I want to, you know, check out the dating profile scene because I can't get out and about, you know. I'm just so occupied with this move. I'm in between places and just kind of staying focused on being creative. Um so when I get the question from a from a brother, say, well, Miss Ma'am, when are you available? What's your time like? I got to look like, well, shit, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I have the energy. You know, and there's this, there's someone I have my eye on, and this is the tricky part. Like, we are in a time where dating is rough, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the characteristics you want, you go down your list of like the, the, the checkoff list, your boxes. And so men begins like, okay, well, they're not checking off this box. So let me, just, I don't know, do I shorten my list of boxes or, or do I just stick to the plan? So I've come to that, that crossroad, like, well, this man has all the qualities I want, but he's not in the position to date. Like we're friends, right? This right. is actually a, my personal real life scenario right now. So he has all the qualities I want, like his belief system, his parenting style, um, just him as a man and knowing who he is, secure in his manhood. And so there's all these things in place, but he's not in the position to date. He's been very honest about that from the gate because, you know, as a man, you want someone who's going to provide mm-hmm. and he's kind of in between jobs, you know, really trying to find his footing. So I'm like, sis, well, well, do you wait? You know, do you wait on him to, to become financially stable or, you know, just stability period as his own home or whatever the case may be. Right. Or do you date? So now it's come to the point where, you know, it's not fair that I just sit here and wait and twiddle my thumbs. I do want to date as far as getting dressed up and, and you know, going, having some good food and, and meeting new people. But then I don't have the energy to do it, baby. I'm like, ah. <laughs> well, I don't know if I want to get dressed today. You know, it would be nice, sir, Brian, you my age and you right here within the distance, but I don't have the energy. So I have not found that I've, I feel like I found the person, but not in physical form. Like the qualities are there, but he's not able to meet me. 
And so now I'm trying to meet other people, but they're not meeting the standard by the least. Like they, we can't even get a consistent conversation going. You know, it's like you talk to them one day and then three days go by. I'm like, sorry, what you mean you ain't thought about me? Because when you think about somebody, you reach out, right? Right. I, I can't get hit to this new dating style to where they check their dating app every three days. When I respond, I need you to respond within five minutes. <laughs> Once you drop the ball, I, my interest is lost. So to answer your story, uh, your question, I have not. It's making me sad, friend. I don't know what to do. <laughs> she said it's making me sad, I don't friend. Know to, I don't know what to do, but except, except do research and like kind of shift the energy from yearning a soulmate to... um just kind of seeing what it's about in, in my other friends. Like, well, how's your dating life? You live in Atlanta or you live in San Diego or you live in Africa. So if it's the same everywhere, it's kind of making me not, it, it's allowing me not to take it personal. Right. You know, like, well, dang, maybe I, I'm not a catch anymore. Maybe the times have changed. No, it's everyone's struggling. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, everybody's uh, got their something. Um, yeah. But you know what? In the meantime, they're out there. They are out yeah. there. They might be uh, listening right now. We we just don't know. They might be. I just don't know. But I do know one thing. I want that whoever is my soulmate, my future husband, I want him to find me in a place of doing the work. All right. You heard that, right, That's- brothers? Kings out there. Yeah, I want him to be like, I've been observing you. You've got a good head on your shoulders. I see you doing your thing. I don't want it to be someone who just meets you, you know. Um, and no, that's sometimes nice to just bump into someone in the produce aisle, right? But I kind of want a man who's been who's been studying me for a while. And so he can appreciate and respect me out the gate. And we can kind of get to the meat of it, opposed to barely tapping the plate. You feel me? I know that's right. Yeah, that's what I want. I want someone who's kind of been in tune for a minute and has has watched me evolve and knows he can add some value to my life. All right. All right, brothers. Y'all heard it here first. Y'all heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to know, you better get to a show, but make sure you observe her first. She wants you to know her first. Get to know her first, you know. Watch her a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Now, I want to touch on something before we do go, before I do let you go, is your involvement with domestic violence awareness. So what prompted you to, you know, attach yourself to domestic violence awareness? Um, really good question. Really good question. Um, so I moved to Utah from Georgia, not just because I needed more support, but I did escape a domestic violence situation. And so I was with someone who, before it became physically um, violent, it was a lot of emotional and verbal abuse Mm -hmm. and neglect. And it started to trickle into my children, like my children became affected by it. And so um, my mom, it's so funny because she sent me the link to the domestic violence shelter. She sent it to me weeks prior to moving from Georgia. But you know, when mom sends you a link, you be like, my I ain't finna click on this link. You finna give me some coupons and some tuna. I ain't <laughs> you know finna, you, you look, ah, mom. She said coupons so and some, it, some tuna, some coupons and some tuna. <laughs> 
What is this link now? He was sending me a link to a TikTok. Mom, I got bigger fish to fry. So it was a link that just kind of sat in our text thread. I never clicked it. I never clicked it. I kid you not. So when she told me, move to Utah, um, I come to Utah. We're driving. Google said it was supposed to take like a day and some change. It took me three whole days, okay? Cracked my radiator, all type of stuff. Busted tire, but that's for another day. Um, so I get to Utah. And I must have hit about three different places about this housing situation before I found the place that my mom sent me the link to. But I think the work that it took kind of made me appreciate finding it more. That's just my personality. You can't tell me don't touch the stove. You're going to burn yourself. I'm like, well, let me see if I can handle the heat. (laughs) So I think if I would have clicked the link and just went directly to, it would have taken away from the journey for me. So I'm going to different organizations, community action, and then this and then that. They're like, no, we don't do that. We don't shelter, you know, single moms and their children. So I finally find the YWCA. They had a room for me. And me and my children moved in. Um, and we were there for about three months. But it was, I was at the most peace in my life I'd ever been. I've never been in a shelter. I had a really good childhood, so that was just something that was not part of my life. I didn't even know what to expect, but it was, you know, one of the most beautiful experiences I had being in a domestic violence shelter. I I gained a lot of clarity. Um, I gained a lot of self-worth. The biggest thing I gained from being in a domestic violence shelter was um, self-belief. Like when you believe in yourself, it is like a freaking superpower. Like you legit feel like there's nothing you can't do because people could tell you all day they believe in you. But until you really tap into that for yourself, that's when the game changes. And so um, being a domestic violence shelter still coming out of that, I didn't know it would affect my current day as far as being an advocate. And so because I escaped um, a, a few domestic violence situations, um, I decided to use my platform to raise awareness for that subject. And in doing that, I gave women a platform to tell their story. I had a guest speaker at my Comedy and Cupcakes show, um, which was a domestic violence awareness special. And a woman shared her story about her sister being murdered um, in a domestic violence situation. And she gave her sister's story so much life and it was so impactful. But what I took away from it was me being alive and being able to tell my own story about surviving domestic violence is so important because if it was up to someone else to share my story, that means I'm no longer living. Right. So her shining the light on the fact that you're able to still tell your story. That's huge. Yeah. Luckily, she has a sister who valued her life enough to share her story, but she's not here. So that's when I took my survival a little more seriously. Yeah. Like, okay, I do have something to stand for. I do have something to share, and I should talk about it. So doing that show, and then I got um, a spot on the ABC, not ABC, Fox 4 News um, did a segment and I was able to speak on behalf of domestic violence awareness. Um, so my resume for doing that, like, I, I feel so blessed that, like I said, this platform is not just to be the funny girl, but I feel like 
it's to make a huge impact, you know, when it's all said and done. So I love that. I love that. And um, one last thing before you go to piggyback off of that, what advice would you give to someone, you know, that is or could be facing a domestic violent type of situation? Oh, that's a good one too. Um, <laughs> and I and I love interviews that like that really kind of dig and tap into and, and help you reflect on who you are. Because there's not many times in our real life where we we see the opportunity to do that, right? Like, yeah. unless you're a really self motivated person and you reflect on the daily, like these are the opportunities that help us reflect on those parts. Um, that part. So yeah, that part. <laughs> Oh man, I think support is huge. I think support is huge. When you don't feel alone in a situation, it, it gives you a different sense of, of power. Yeah. Um, and so, man, the, the, the tricky thing about domestic violence is it comes in so many different forms and levels. Yeah. And so having a safe place which I'm creating now mm -hmm. um, for my friends and family, but having that safe place, um, whether it be your family or friends to really talk about what you're experiencing. Even if you guys have to use code words, you get on the phone and say, sis, I just ordered this pizza with extra pineapples. She needs to know that means come get me. Yeah. It gets that, it gets that real. Yeah. I've had friends where I was in that situation. They know if I said American cheese, you drop what you're doing, you come get me yeah. right now. And we'll 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 deal with all the actual factuals later. But I need you to come get me. So that support piece is huge. So really finding someone that you can confide in, um, that you can trust, that if no one else knows what's going on, they know. Like that's that's everything. For me, that's what saved me. Yeah. I think my mom, knowing what I was dealing with in that relationship, she knew to say, it's time for you to go. She knew that her voice held that much power in my life. So it's unfortunate when, when people don't have that support. And that's why I'm grateful for resources like the YWCA that provides shelter for women who are in domestic violence situations. Say, come here, you know create an alias so they won't know where to find you but this is your safe place you need someone that you can rest your head and, and learn how to thrive that was my thing when I met with my worker in the YWCA the first time I met with a worker I legit told her because they want to know what's your goals what's your plans they got their notebook out they ready to take notes and, and hold you to it I said look I'm gonna be honest I need two weeks to just breathe yeah I need to just breathe but let me tell you, when I meet with you again, we're going to hit this ground running. And I am one of their first clients who set goals and met all of them. Even when they told me I was cutting it close, I, I reached all my goals. Oh. I was very active in the YWCA. And so it's a trip how alignment works and how God will bring things full circle. And now me being a domestic violence survivor and I have a show called comedy and cupcakes, domestic violence awareness. Let's go. We have all these, you know, comedians and we got cupcakes and food is catered and it's great. But the woman who showed up, the worker for YWCA, she was my actual worker. Yeah. When he seen me, she said, I am so proud of you. Came full circle. Look at that. It came full circle because she's the worker who showed me tough love. Yeah. She said, I'm not going to extend your stay. 
this is your last extension. I'm giving you only one. And after this, I know you're going to do what you got to do. Go ahead and fly. Take it and fly. Go ahead and fly. You're ready. Fly, bird, fly. You are ready. <laughs> yeah. So that support is huge again. Like, that's my only advice is find you someone you can confide in. If you don't have anyone in your family or your circle of friends that you feel that would support you through this, tap into some resources. You know? Yeah. And, and that's what it takes. Sometimes we think our best is is as best as it gets. And when our best is not enough, we have to do what's required. So reaching out to and outsource some support, if that's what you have to do, tap into a hotline, tap into your local, you know, whatever it is that, that's, that's going to help you get out of that situation, you got to do the work. You got to do the work. You got to do the work. So that, that would be my advice. Do the work and find the support so that you can, can get out of that situation um, alive. You know, that's, that's most important. So you can share your story and we can keep this movement going. We are going to thank you, Miss Lady J, for Yay. definitely so coming on you know, the Evolution Now podcast and sharing all of your wonderful, wonderful knowledge um, as it pertains to comedy and how you make people laugh and sharing your message with us on this particular episode. So we thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. So we're going to have Lady J close us out with a clip from her impromptu stand-up act at Wise Guys, yes, in Utah. Tell us about this clip that we are about to play. I believe it was your first time on stage after giving birth to Elijah. Yes, I had Elijah 12 days prior, and I just went to support a fellow comedian. Um, It was his birthday special. He actually came to my birthday special. So I showed up. And one of the comedians backed out at the last minute. So he asked me if I could perform that night. And I said, sure, because you know me. Since I stay ready, I got to get ready. So I have been writing post-pregnancy material um, just in hopes of continuing to get booked. And so I just kept writing, kept writing. And so I had things that I could talk about. And so this um, clip, I think I'm talking about... Um, I think dating in Utah, the pandemic of dating broke men with speak for itself, but yeah, I just was talking about about life um current day, like trying to date and navigate dating while pregnant and single. That's so taboo, but it's a thing. It's a thing. So yeah, I was single during my pregnancy and trying to like, you know, get laid. That was like the Ooh, Jesus. So I'm just let the, let you guys play the clip and, and enjoy, but that shows you how transparent I am. All right. So we're <laughs> going to let Lady J take us out with this particular clip here, which is funny. It's hilarious, guys. And I also want to say to all of my listeners, thank you so much, guys. Thank you for being here and listening to us on this particular podcast. Um, yes. yes, yes, yes. Thank you guys for listening um, in with us on tonight. And also, too, um, you know what I always say. I have to end it with this all the time. You want to maximize your now moment. 
keep moving forward in order for you to ascend you must begin from within you also want to what be ready so you don't have to get ready all right Right. yes that part get ready okay so um we're going to see you guys on the next episode and uh we're going to have lady j take us out with this particular let's do it let's do it let's roll it